0: Hey everyone, welcome to Christian Mom Uncensored. So this episode is going to be focusing a little bit more on a serious topic. I promise from the beginning to be raw, real, and open with you. So today we're going to talk about something that we've all been seeing in the news. We're going to talk about racism. Um, as, or maybe you guys don't know, but I am a black mama married to a white man, raising a daughter and a son, and. As injustice continues to be a huge issue in our world, I wanted to give attention to and shine light on the things that need to be addressed. So today I'm addressing racism. We're going to dive into it. I'm going to talk about my experience. I'm going to talk about plans for conversations I'll have with my children. And I'm going to talk a little bit about how you can be an ally. This is Christian Mom Uncensored. On May 25th, 2020, George Floyd, a black man, was killed by a police officer named Derek Chauvin in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and this would not be the first time that our country has seen death at the hands of a police officer to a black man, um, Using unnecessary force. And it would not be the first time our country would erupt into protests, but it's been the first time in a little bit, in a little while. And today I'm going to talk about, I don't want to talk too much about the situation going on and the protests going on. There's a lot of information about that, but I am going to speak from the perspective as a mom and um, the perspective as a black mom who is raising. You know, children who are biracial um, and also about my experience. So to start off, let me give you my kind of background, and we'll get more into it so here's just my personal perspective so growing up, I was a little naive about racism uh I knew that it existed, I knew everything that we learned in history, Jim Crow laws, segregation slavery um, All of that. So, but I had never experienced racism myself. I don't remember having a a real race talk with my parents ever. Um, Maybe in high school we talked on it, touched on it a little bit because I did date, um, I dated people from various different cultures in high school. But for the most part, my experience with dealing with race and being Black in America wasn't, I didn't have any like racist situations happen to me as a child. Um, I can say that as a child, I did end up being in a primarily white space for a while. Um, and then you do kind of notice differences and kids have questions like, why do you have to wear a swim cap and I don't? And like, why do you have to wrap, wrap your hair out at night? And like those kinds of things. Um. But aside from that, I hadn't really had any issues and I hadn't thought about my identity as a black woman. I I never attached that to my identity until it came to my attention that, oh, like race is really, really serious. Um, is still really a serious issue because I never had to. I, you know, talked to whoever was friends with whoever, and that was all good, great, well, and fine. When I, the only experience I kind of had was going from a primarily white school to a primarily black school, people were wondering why I talk the way I talk and kind of just had to deal with that. But it wasn't serious bullying in the seventh or sixth grade um, at all. In the eighth grade, it's a different story, but I don't really understand why I was bullied in the eighth grade. And that's a topic for a different episode. so uh, my first real experiences with my identity and my cultural identity began in college. Because I think in college, you, or around that age, 18, 19, 20, you start forming your identity. And you start like figuring out who you are. What do you want to do with your life? All these big questions are thrown at you. And I ended up going to a small Catholic school, uh, Mount St. Mary's University. I'm going to say their name because there's going some issues going on right now. At my college, and I'm kind of disappointed in them. Actually, I'm very disappointed in them. That I will talk about a little bit later. So, college is really when I started having my experiences that dealt with race. So, in college, my school was majority white. However, there was a good um, there was a good amount of students from Various different cultures. We had like an Asian American club, we had a Native American club, we had the Black Student Union, we had the Hispanic Heritage Club. So um, there was a good number of diversity. And I felt like at the time when we were in school, a lot of at least all of us people of color were really passionate about like who we are. And this was when I first kind of gotten to encounter and start thinking about like who am I and like you know all of that good stuff that comes with college um so going to a small school in a small town i can remember a couple distinct instances i remember being followed in a store one time when i was shopping and um i was with a group of kids but i think it was because i was with a group of black kids that i got followed i um There was this restaurant, Shamrock's, that wasn't too far from campus, and I know a lot of students would go there, and some would talk about how good it was, but I had heard that members of the KKK had frequented there, so I never went, and I remember one time, uh, a colleague of mine asked if I wanted to go, and I was kind of like, "Um, no, I'm good, but I... um, just felt like they weren't aware if they thought that. And then another time, uh, the KKK had left flyers on people's cars on campus, and that was kind of scary. And then the biggest moment for me happened when Freddie, well, not when Freddie Gray, but um, Trayvon Martin passed in 2012 I had experiences later when Freddie Gray was passed in Baltimore and there was the Baltimore riots but before getting to that in 2012 when Trayvon Martin died um, I think it was yeah it was my first kind of real experience with oh wow um, this is a serious issue and it was like the first time I had seen like an innocent Not innocent, but I had seen, like, a kid get killed. Like, to be honest, before I was 18, 19, 20 years old, like, that's when I got into listening to NPR and, like, being up on the news. Before then, I wasn't watching the news. I mean, social media, Facebook was just kind of starting to become popular. I mean, like, I got Facebook in high school my sophomore year. So um, that's the first time I was kind of, like, hit and struck. And then you know later, Freddie Gray ended up passing, and there was the riots in Baltimore, and there was protests, and all, and all of that happened. So what happened on campus as a reaction to um, this kind of pro- police brutality that we were seeing was the the Black Student Union, along with my very one of my really good friends, um, Carmen Morales my roommate since freshman year, all the way through senior year, um, ended up leading a protest on campus and we started in what was called the academic hall, The AC is what we called it. And we just kind of went from there through where the administration offices were. And then from there to our main cafeteria. And, um, part of the demonstration had all of us laying on the floor and I know that there was some negative reactions going on around us once we got to the cafeteria but I didn't really see them and for me the the whole protest felt super empowering and I remember students just that weren't a part of the protest originally like joined in and got in line and like I was like this is great Um, but when we got back to the academic hall where we started, we went ahead and checked this app called Yik Yak. And Yik Yak, if you guys don't know, I'm pretty sure it's irrelevant now, is an app where you can kind of anonymously post things. And there's no pictures. I think you get some sort of like name or handle. And it's by geographic location. So it was really popular in college because basically anyone on campus could post on there. And it was usually about things going on in college. Like someone would be talking about a professor or, hey, there's a party going on in the apartments or um, we had this skunk on campus. People would like, um, would post about the skunk. And so it was really like the thing at the time. <laughs> like that was the thing to check. I checked it so much in college. So after these protests, we're all like crying and it's super emotional for all of us. Uh, We check yik yak. And that's when we got hit. And I mean, like, this was in your face racism that I had never experienced. Um, This is people saying we need to lynch these monkeys. These N-words need to like shut the F up. And I was I was floored. I mean, like, I could feel, like, my stomach drop. And how do we react? And the thing about Yik Yak is because it's anonymous, you don't know who posted this. So I remember going to class, I think, like, the next day, the next time I went to class, and um, people were talking about the protest. And here I am, maybe one of two Black kids in the class, uh, involved with the protest, Um, I don't think the other girl that was in my class had been there Um, but she could have been I just I mean I didn't see her and you hear students talking about how dumb that protest was and why don't they shut up like they should just be happy with what they've got and like you're at this call like you're, you're fine I don't know why you're so concerned about this and I was upset like visibly emotionally like do not cry in this class. Do not, because first of all, don't give them the satisfaction of crying in this class. Also don't excuse yourself because then it's obvious. So I just sat in that philosophy class uh, and I I was kind of shook. And we ended up, I ended up going to lunch with a professor that I'm still friends with to this day. Um, and we talked about our experiences with that. And I, I actually, um this professor, has asked me to like write about that experience and he's used it to teach in some of his other his other classes. I think his adult class he teaches. But side note. So that was a hard experience and what was hard about it was that there wasn't really a, any like addressing of it from the administration but also did we complain? I don't remember. I just remember being kind of so then um, I spent that evening with my roommate and best friend and we watched um, we just watched some documentaries we watched For Colored Girls, we watched um, Dark Girls um, which is a documentary and we kind of chatted about our own experiences because it was then that for the first time I felt like we needed to say like what it was like to operate in white spaces so those were my experiences with racism, um, the more like extreme ones. And standing now as an alum of the Mount, uh, I feel definitely passionate. And I'm going to say this for my Mount community, if anyone's listening to this podcast, um, I'm with our action to say something, to do something so that the administration takes correct action and changes. Um, because just this week, uh, a friend of mine had posted on Facebook that there had been a racial incident on campus and that's not okay by any means. So I'm the type of person who laughs when I'm nervous. So if I, I don't want anyone to think I'm insensitive or anything, it's just like my reaction is to laugh always has been. And that was pretty much what my experience was like. Um, So to go from there, because we are going to talk about parenting and ally, being an ally, um, if you are not a person of color, and also, um, yeah, parenting and all of that, let me kind of segue into that. So my dating experience I kind of mentioned previously that I dated people from different backgrounds that I wasn't one to um, to discriminate on that end. I dated a guy a Mexican man he was actually from Mexico. Um, I dated a guy who was from Myanmar, but he called it Burma, so like that's what, how he referred to his home country, so Burma, I dated, uh, I briefly hung out and kind of sort of for a couple weeks dated a guy, a Native American man. I uh, seriously dated a black man for three years. And then I dated my husband, who is white, and we got married. And so when in terms of what I've been looking for in a husband, um, there were no racial qualifications at all. It was, you know, this is who I like, and this is who I'm going to date, and I don't discriminate, and that's just who I've always been. Um, from there, I, um, from there, I Oh, so when I started dating my husband, we, I was nervous, so nervous doing his family because I knew I was going, so he's a, he's farm raised. So I say that, um, because he, his family like owns a ton of farmland and he grew up in like a smaller town and so I'm like, Oh great, here we go. And I didn't really have any negative experiences that I like expected to have. Um so it's really great married into a great family. There are little things. There are there is kind of this burden though that I think is placed on people of color, I'm going to say. Where sometimes you have to educate when you don't want to. And it's like microaggressions or comments like oh um rap is for thugs and it's like wait a minute, let me Let's bring it back. Do you know anything about rap culture? No, so let's let's talk about it. I mean, and um it's just a burden that's placed on us sometimes to correct, and it's always you always get faced with a decision, do I let this slide, or do I correct this? And um there was one time that I did correct my father in- law, and then since then he's kind of shut up, so. I can remember that conversation clearly. It was like after everything happened with Freddie Gray. I had to kind of say my piece. Uh, and it wouldn't, if I, I mean, that's something I wouldn't have done at 18 years old that I was comfortable doing at 22 years old. Cause at that time I was like 22 when we had that conversation. Now I'm 27. So whew, time flies. So with me marrying my husband, we knew we were going to have to have racial conversations with our kids. and there is this misnomer out there in the parenting world that kids don't see color. I see it all the time. Kids don't see color. Kids don't see color. That's a straight up lie. Um, Kids don't see prejudice. Kids don't see hate. Kids aren't born with like innate, like hatred towards other kids, but kids can see color. And like, if you um, Googled, can my child tell the difference between races? There are a bunch of books, and I'm going to link one of them below, or I'm going to list some resources below that's, that suggest that kids at two years old can see the difference between skin tone and other important things. And I can say that kids can see color because I was a nanny for a white family after college, and the little girl was three years old. I remember. She was three. We were still potty training. Um, that's just something that sticks out to me. And she one day came up to me and was like, ew, you're so dirty. You're so brown. Yuck. And I was like, excuse me? Like, what are you saying? And she's like, you're so brown. Why are you so dirty? And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. How do I address this little girl? And I explained to her like, no, people are from born with all different types of colors. And I tried my best. She was three and I'm not an expert. And, uh, that experience sticks out to me. And then another experience that happened is a couple years later, my husband was working at one school, his previous job, and I had taken my daughter to the school for the first time. And what you should know about my child is Mia. She is white presenting. Um, so we, I went at the end of the day, cause we were going to go ahead and grab dinner with his co-workers afterwards and also I didn't need my child to be around a bunch of other children because I think children just have germs and Mia was probably like nine months at the time and Ethan's like this is my wife Brittany and my daughter Mia and like I'm holding Mia because I'm like you haven't washed your hands yet like you're working in preschool and the little girl is like why is your wife black and it was like, "Oh, you've never seen an interracial couple, nonetheless, the product of an interracial couple, and if you have maybe I don't know so and so she was- and she was four, so four years old, so kids can see color, and um babies like nine months old, don't probably don't, but like once you hit two you you start to notice differences. You can tell when somebody wears glasses and somebody doesn't, you can tell." So to think that your kid is colorblind is is kind of dumb. And the problematic statement with, oh, I'm colorblind. I don't think people get this. At least this is why it's problematic for me, is that I am not colorblind. Um, I'm a black woman. I have a, a friend from the Philippines. I see their color. I see their race. I see their culture. To say I'm colorblind means that I don't see them. I mean... I don't know. I feel like with race, you don't want to identify someone solely because of, oh, she's just the black girl. But it's like, I see you and I see your culture and I respect your culture and I'm interested in learning and engaging about that. So to say you're colorblind is a straight up lie unless you're actually colorblind, but you can probably still differentiate the difference between a black man and a white man if you were to look at them. I mean, I'm just saying. So... (laughs) In terms of all of that, I will say that. Um, Have I had experiences where people have kind of joked about me being in a a racial relationship? Yes. Um, And depending on where we are in the world is when we are, like, nervous in the world. We don't tend to place ourselves in unsafe spaces, but I also... Don't limit myself on where I'm going to go. I mean. That's just a fact. Are there challenges being in an interracial marriage or a relationship? Yes. Just because there's cultural differences and things you have to kind of explain that, you know, like a white man isn't going to get black hair until you break it down for him. So like I've had to do that, but nothing serious. My marriage has always been great. Otherwise I wouldn't be married. Um, if you know him, if you see his posts, then you can see where he stands, um, and all of that stuff. So, in terms of parenting, we know that we're going to have to have conversations with Mia, because one day somebody might, a little kid might ask, "Why does your mom look like that?" or "Are you adopted?" And those are big questions that give me a lot of anxiety. I'm not going to lie; I'm pretty stressed out about some kid saying something rude to my child before I can explain to my child but also I'm trying to keep her her I don't know I don't want to say purity but like her mind intact and like not have to really think about like right now I'm just mom and dad's just dad that's all me I can see she's almost two you know um but we are going to have to have conversations and especially if her brother doesn't come out looking exactly like her or if her brother is not white presenting, if he ends up looking like whatever shade of Brown, he looks like. So uh, we fully intend to have conversations about race. I'm going to tell my child, my experiences that I've had. Um, She also has like a, like a black aunt, um, black uncles like my siblings so she has like that experience just like you have to talk about sex you have to talk about bullying you have to talk about the big topic issues it would be doing your kid an injustice at least i feel as though it'd be doing a kid an injustice not to discuss race at all when it's obviously going to be something that they encounter And I'm going to say that in terms of when you do it and how you do it, there's a lot of books out there. I am not an expert. I'm actually really just winging it and doing my best with my kids. But I'm happy to have further conversations about experiences and specific experiences as kids that didn't really affect me, but still were kind of uncomfortable and like all of that. So, and how to be an ally, what I want to say right now is that your black friend right now might not be okay, and um, I did post that on my Facebook earlier this week, and it's true. I've definitely gone through up the ups and downs of a ton of emotion from like infuriation to like disappointment to fear to uh, anxiety to like, kind of like grieving, like, um, on top of dealing with a pandemic, on top of being pregnant, on top of working and bombing and doing all the things. So if you have a friend or know somebody, it always becomes with, I don't know what to say. Um, and some people prefer, Different people prefer different things. But I'm going to say from my experience and from where I'm standing, what I would not mind my friends doing and would actually appreciate. I would I would appreciate if friends of mine who are not people of color or who are people of color but aren't Black uh, said, I'm thinking about you. Um, how are you doing right now? And I like that because it, it has been really exhausting dealing with social media and the media in general and the protests and everything that's going on in our country that I might not wanna have a flat out conversation in this moment at the end of a long day about how unjust America is and how frustrated I am. But I might also want to have that conversation. So saying, hey, I'm thinking about you, how are you doing? allows me to control that narrative allows me to say oh, i'm i'm really sad today because of everything that's going on and i'm overwhelmed by it or i'm fired up and i'm really want to see action and then from there your conversation can go forth i also want to say if you have questions if you don't understand something i am somebody that you can come to and i hope that you have friends that you can go to because i Would always want my friends to want to, and just like I'm trying to do, to continue to educate themselves and continue to grow and to challenge themselves and to not be afraid to speak out for injustice and not be afraid to say, I can see how this is really bad, but I don't understand how, what systematic racism is. Or I don't understand um, what people, why it's such a problem still. And I don't understand, like, does this really affect you on a day-to-day basis? I am somebody who, well, don't, don't word it like that. I'm somebody who would prefer to have a conversation, but because I'm somebody who likes to have uncomfortable conversations. Um, so stand up, speak out and speak with your friends of color and your black friends specifically right now. And That's the best that you can do. Um, Educate your kids about race and racism. Pretending it doesn't exist is not solving the problem. Living life colored blind does not solve the problem. Because just because you don't care if I'm black or not, you have to still acknowledge the fact that I am. Like, you know what I mean? So the biggest thing, that's the biggest problematic issue is I love everyone. Great. I love everyone too, but I'm not colorblind. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that I am, um, and that's pretty much what I have today to say. Um, as a Christian, it breaks my heart. I've always, when it comes to any type of person, any marginalized group, anyone in the world, my whole philosophy has always been, well, Jesus loves you, and so do I. What you do with your life is up to you. The decisions you make is up to you. I'm not judging you. I don't care. It doesn't affect me, and I'm just gonna love you. That's always been my stance, and I, I, I really hate seeing Christians tear each other down, or or tear or tear down a specific group of people just because you don't agree with them. What about love? Okay, what about love? All right. So that's all I have for you guys today. Um, I'm going to be taking a step away from social media for the weekend. I think I'm gonna hit. One of the parks, or maybe even a beach, and breathe because it's been a very hard week for me, as I'm sure it has been for you. But continue to pray. There's a ton of resources out right now. Continue to stay educated. Reach out to your friends of color. And if you are a person of color, I feel you to like the most degree. I feel you. And that's all. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Christian, Mom, and Censor. I will see you guys next time.